this is. Apologize, we've been having a little bit of a tech difficulty. It's a rainy day in New Haven. Don't we all love Comcast? This is the sound of black and brown CJ here, and I'm going to be joined by Manny. Now, I'm going to warn you all what's about to be talked about may not be so agreeable to all listeners. We're going to say things in our own skin. Today's topic is particularly sensitive to some people. And we're going to talk about colorism. Oh, boy. And we're going to talk about what it's like to be treated disproportionately by your own. So without further ado, I hope you have your favorite snack. You're tuning in to the sound of black and brown. There's a lot that we're going to digest, unpack. We hope you could take it, not be offended by it, but learn from it. The time for change is now. Manny, how are you doing today, Manny? What do you think about this topic? Let's start with... You know, CJ, I'm doing good. Actually, I'm doing better now that I'm here. That's my answer. I'm doing better now that I'm here. Um, and, uh, yeah, whoa, colorism. The word and the concept that doesn't exist within the black and brown community, right? Does not acknowledge. But um, we know it's real. We know it's real. And I, I'm excited. I'm excited for today's conversation. Uh, there needs to be more conversations about colorism. So I'm looking forward to it. Now, I'm going to ask a dangerous question. I know you're surprised. I know you're in shock. I'm going to ask you a dangerous question. Manny, have mm-hmm. you ever had to deal with colorism? Me? No. <laughs> no, not me. Yes, of course. <laughs> I think I think um here's something here's a bold statement I'll say. I think almost almost majority of all black and brown people have experienced colorism at, at least one time in their life in one way, shape, or form. And they probably didn't even realize, you know, that there was an actual term for whatever that action is uh, that they experienced. You know, they probably didn't even know that it was colorism. But, yeah, me and and I know so many, so many other people uh, definitely have experienced colorism. Boy, you know... Let me tell you, so I'll just, I'll just go there, right? Surprise, I'm going there. So my first encounter with colorism happened when I migrated to this place. And I really, you know, I came from a country where we would say things like, you know, Manny has indigenous heritage or, you know, Paul has, you know, um, East Indian heritage, African, we call the whole continent out, right? And while there was, to a degree, colorism, I'm saying to a degree, because the colorism where I'm from gains power according to the money that you have. So let me run that back. So the colorism where I'm from, it, you know, it goes by your purchasing power. How much privilege can you buy? So if you're able to exist on a day-to-day basis and you don't have to worry about your light bill, 
You don't have to worry about your groceries and you're two shades darker than me. Um, you'll probably look down on me. You're right. The class system is very interesting, right? Um, but all that to say, you know, colorism is as much a part of the problem as is racism. Oh boy. Oh Lord, Manny. Manny, let's, we have to hold hands and pray for everybody now because I'm pretty sure somebody just passed out somewhere. Because you see, here's the thing. We could talk about racism all day, twice on Sunday and three times on Friday. But unless people realize that within our own communities, right, there is this act that where we look down on each other or we we label people and we say, well, she or he looks or they look like that. So they must be X, Y, Z, right? And I, I wonder for a younger person, I'll, I'll pause right there for a course, taking it from that perspective, Manny, have you ever had to deal with colorism or with? Absolutely. Um, I definitely, I witnessed it and experienced it. Um, and uh, early on too, you know, um, like I, you know, as I mentioned in a previous episode, um, colorism within the Hispanic community. Ooh, yeah, right. The, the community, uh, you know, um, usually is only talked about in regards uh, to, you know, undocumented immigrant rights or stuff like that, right? Um, but also, you know, there needs to be, when we're talking about Hispanic community, yeah, okay, like undocumented immigrant um, issue is, is, you know, that's a very big topic and it's very, very valid and Yes, you know, let's bring conversations about that. But, you know, that's not the only thing, right? It's not the only issue that faces the Hispanic community. Colorism is a very, very big part of the Hispanic community. Um, and it's it's so prevalent. Honestly, I can say this with like so, so much certainty that it's so prevalent in the Hispanic community that it's it's normalized at this point, you know. This is not even seen as a problem. It's seen as something that, you know, is like it happens, and you don't even think twice about it. It's literally it's so normalized. Um, but yeah, I've experienced it. I experienced it early on. Um, you know, telling you know peers or, um you know, family members or whatever, like, oh, yeah, you know, Puerto Rican or whatever. And then you get the the comments like, well, we don't look Puerto Rican, right? Or uh, even vice versa. I've seen, you know, uh, people, uh, you know, from Puerto Rico who are much darker in complexion, right? And they say they're Puerto Rican and they're like, um, no. You sure you're not Dominican? Right, because as we know, Dominican Republic is right there next to Haiti. Yeah, but why would they do that, Manny? Like, I want why? you to hit on... Oh, talk yeah. about it. Ah, tell <laughs> them why. Why are they... Oh, so, shit. You know, yeah, so... And, and this is... Fun. When... Uh, and I'm sure so many people have heard it. So many people have seen it. You know, a darker skin complexion person, right, will come across uh, another Hispanic, right? And immediately, 
the first thought is, oh, they must be Dominican. Because, you know, if you don't know your geography, Dominican Republic is right there next to Haiti. Right? They're, all, they're on the same island. It's separated by an imaginary line, right? So, <clears throat> so um, you know, you know, when you're a darker-skinned Hispanic, you're like, okay, you're automatically Dominican. Because there's, there's no other way, you know, you can't be uh, Puerto Rican, you can't be you know, um, Ecuadorian, you can't be, I mean, it's automatically, you must be Dominican, right? Because that's where a bunch of, well, in their mind, that's where the darker skin Hispanics come from. They come from the island, Dominican Republic, shares the country with Haiti, right? Right, yeah, with good hair, right? <clears throat> so that's why, again, we've all seen it, a member of, you know, the African-American community, you know, you say, I'll give you an example, they come to Fairhaven, right, which is a predominantly Hispanic community, they come to Fairhaven, and you're walking down the sidewalk, or you're going to a store, or, you know, one of the, the restaurants, and they might automatically assume that you're Dominican and start speaking Spanish to you, <laughs> right? And you're like, um, yeah, no, I don't speak Spanish. I'm not even Hispanic. Right, but they, yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it, you're right. It, it happened to you. It happens so. I've seen it happen to so many, even my own friends. You know, who they're, I mean, they're Jamaican or you know, uh, one of the Nigerian, and we go to Fairhaven, we go into a restaurant, and people start speaking Spanish to them. You know, and one of the first things is, oh, you're not Dominican. It's like. No, no, just because, you know, they have darker skin complexion, right? And this is where the colorism comes from. Automatically, because you have the darker skin complexion, well, you must be one from this particular country, right? Dominican Republic. And two, um, this is, and I'm about to, you know, do some big revelation or whatever. In the Hispanic community, <laughs> in the Hispanic community, Dominicans, right? Oh, let me be more specific. Let me be more specific, and I'm not making it so broad. And a lot of Puerto Rican, because uh, you know I, I have a Puerto Rican family, and there's conversations always about different Hispanics. And for some reason, I've heard it so many times. Dominicans are often looked down upon in regards to the different Hispanic um, uh, groups, right? And I and I almost can never understand why. It, it's very infuriating. It's like when when I hear a Puerto Rican or you know, uh, specific times I've heard. It. Again, I'm not saying all. I'm not overgeneralizing. I'm not making a broad thing. Thing in my experience, right? And conversations I've heard, conversations I've been part of, I've heard uh, Hispanics, and this is including Mexicans, including Puerto Ricans, you name it. And they talk about Dominicans, and there's always a lot of negativity surrounding them, you know? Um, and so that carries on, you know, you have the darker skin complexion Hispanics. 
uh, are, are looked down upon. If you are a darker skin complexion, you must be Dominican because there's no way you're Puerto Rican and you're that dark. There's no way you're Mexican and you're that dark. You know, there's no way you could be Colombian and you're that dark. Like those are the things you literally hear. I'm not making this up. I can't make it up. It, it's absurd, <laughs> but it's the things you literally hear. So now on the flip side of that, right, going to the lighter skin tones. If you're a lighter skin Hispanic, well now, now you must be Colombian. Or if you're not Colombian, maybe you're Venezuelan. Or if you're not Venezuelan, maybe, you know, you're from Central America, right? But, exactly, but, you know, when you're looked at it, you're looked as, you know, you're, you're, you're a better quality, almost, of Hispanic, right? I, I Listen, I, I swear, I kid you not, I've even heard, <laughs> I've even heard that when when, you, when they're being talked about, right, the, the, these Colombians and, you know, it's just the lighter skinned Hispanics, I've even heard things like, well, their Spanish even sounds better. What? Like, what are you talking about? That's real talk. That's <laughs> real talk. Let me like honestly. I'm I'm not gonna name names, but I did this experience. I did. I got a genial. This is true story. This is true. What he's saying. I did this social experiment with someone who is Colombian, and didn't even realize I was doing it until until we went into a restaurant. So we go sit down. It was us, you know, a couple of us. So we go to sit down and everything. And I'm the darkest one of all, right? I'm the dark caramel sister amongst them. And the um, everyone comes up to the table. They're putting on, you know, the... Speaking Spanish to me, and my Spanish is, a, you know, it's broken. Like I could understand more than I could speak it, but I don't hide that fact, you know, because it's it's spoken to me and sometimes I do and sometimes I don't respond or I respond as best as I can, right? I'm going to admit to you, I'm not fluent. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. However, it happened. Just what he's saying, it happened. It happened. They treated the lighter skinned people better than me. They took their orders first. They had to call them. It was just ridiculous. It was just, just, just ridiculous. Like, and this, this happens so naturally because again, like he's saying, you know, the darker skinned people, right? You know, they look down, you, you must be poor, right, Manny? You must be poor. You must be uneducated. Tell me I'm wrong. And then if you're light skinned, you must have money. You must come from money. Your parents, both your parents are in the house. You're well-educated. Now, can you talk to us a little bit? Did this have any type of presence <laughs> during and after COVID? We know it was before, but I feel like people forget shit still went on. In your experience, what you know of, did this come into play at any point? Absolutely. <laughs> Just because COVID came around, and like you said, I you know I, I feel like a lot of people think that just because the world entered a global pandemic, that yeah we all went in quarantine, we went in lockdown, things were shut down, but the issues never stop being issues. You know the, the issues don't get put on pause. 
right? Racism doesn't get, doesn't get put on pause. Colorism doesn't get put on pause just because we're in the middle of a global pandemic, right? As we said millions and millions of times, racism and colorism and these things, they have no boundaries. They have no limits. They don't adhere to time. They don't adhere to, you know, health-related <laughs> issues or whatever. No, it goes on no matter what's happening in the world. Uh, and in fact, in my experience, in my experience, um, the colorism that happened in the Hispanic community um, actually, for some reason, and I can't explain it because, I mean, it's like I, I can't even understand how, how it happened. But during quarantine, during lockdown, from 2020 to even, you know, to 2021, when we were trying to return back to normalcy, the colorism, it had such a huge uptick. Because now, now it was being looked up, uh, yeah, what's normalcy, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good, good point, good point. But, um, you know, coming out of quarantine, right? Um, exactly. You're absolutely right. And um, you know, now that we're dealing with you know poverty and and now poverty being uh, intertwined with health security, you know, quite literally, right? Whether or not you were able to protect yourself from this virus, um. I even saw that, you know, again, the darker-skinned Hispanics. And, and, and this is the Fairhaven community, right? I'm not going to say for everyone. I'm not going to say in general. I know we brought because then people are going to come after me. <laughs> and my experience, specifically, I'm going to be specific when I say things, in the Fairhaven community, darker-skinned Hispanics were often the ones who didn't have the necessary items to be able to be safe from COVID-19 or to even that's have a the, fact. the resources. That is a fact. Yes. I, I was right there with you. They were yeah. not handing out the kits. That This right here, what he's saying is a fact. It also applies to New Hallville. It also applies to other highly, you know, marginalized communities right here in New Haven. I just want to do a quick sound check. I see salute three-fifths on the line three-fifths can you hear us can we hear you give us a, a shout can you hear me i could hear you manny can you hear him i can hear him all right so three-fifths we're talking about one of your favorite words colorism and what manny's describing oh lord he said oh lord <laughs> he, he's sharing his experiences a younger individual and what happened during and after COVID. And this is a true story because I was out there with others in Fairhaven, man. It was sad. It was really, really sad. And the domino effect, including the Ville, including the Hill and all other the marginalized areas, to this day, the effect of that had on people's perception of COVID and many, many other things. Chime in, three fifths. I mean, I was reading something during COVID, and unfortunately, during the COVID, a lot of our people, black, Latinos, they were like, you know, I ain't taking that shot. I'm not fooling with that. It's got the chip in it. You know, that was like a lot of stuff. And, you know, the compounded, I saw a report the other day. 
lot of our people are not going to the doctors like they should. They, they're not. They're not going. I, I saw it too. So you know how the different uh, programs were. Case in point, look how when they had the COVID, the test centers, and I happened to go on the map. I said, "Well, where are the test centers at?" In like Greenwich and stuff, they were like more accessible for those the people getting than the ones who are in New Haven. Did you ever notice that? Definitely, because I remember driving down Dixwell Avenue, and you would see lines and lines of white people standing outside Cornell Scott to get treated. You're not seeing no black and brown people, you know. It's only white people down the line. And you're asking yourself, what's the problem here? And it's because by that time, you know, you could see who was receiving the services. Now, let me tell you all something else, right? Don't fall out your old chairs, all you all listening in. Like I, I preface by saying, this is as many, going to be very sensitive. We're talking about white supremacy. If that's not your cup of tea, you might want to go drink somewhere else because we're not going to hold back here. This is a safe space. We shut down things like gaslighting and gatekeeping. Black and brown people in 2023 should not feel any other way but free in speaking in their skin. And that's what we're talking about today. And some of the worst offenders of colorism look like us. What do you all think about that? My word, I call them what they are. I always use the term plantation overseers and gatekeepers. You already answered it. Really. And that's what they are. <laughs> Their job is to, to stifle, to keep, you know, to keep to keep the plantations in line and the albarios in line. That's right. That's absolutely correct. That's their job. What about you, Manny? You know, I I noticed something like whenever something comes up, they pull out who Candace Owens, the 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 Larry Elders. They find one of us they can pull out. They find one of us that they can pull out. Well, it's the tokenization, right? They they treat us like tokens. And in my example, the sambos. Yeah, I was looking at the news already. They're pulling out the sambo to go after the sister that's going to prosecute Trump in Georgia. Already, the gatekeepers, they they become the talking heads of the pro-Trump people. Because his sister here got the goods on him. Anybody want to know, you better look at what the RICO Act is. I was out of 19 people. They already done started flipping some of them. That RICO Act is no joke. It's hard to beat. And already they're bringing out the gatekeepers going after the system. Of course. Of course, like they did with the abortion access. I want to hear from Manny. Manny, what do you think about what I just said? Some of the worst offenders, you started talking about it earlier, of colorism. They look like us? What do you think? Absolutely. Um, You know, and previous episode you know when i mentioned colorism the first thing that pointed out was that um you know pretty much actually if i think about it and every experience of colorism that i've experienced personally um has been from people who look like me and you um and you know and, and that's why the first couple of times experiencing it 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 threw me you know i was like beside myself because i i I could not comprehend you know that someone who was either 
I mean, in one case, a shade darker than me, and in another case, just, you know, one shade lighter than me, right? Not like a huge difference, but these were the people that were just blatantly, you know, making these statements and making these, and doing these actions of, of colorism uh, against me. And if I may jump in, if for, when it comes to us, go back to slavery. You saw a lot of colorism. The mulattoes, the slave master's children. Read, read the history of slavery. And as you go up, you had those that could pass for white that would go to the, to the, to the, store, the side of the door that would say whites only. They got the same fountain. Colorism is just not the beginning for people. It, it started during slavery. Look it up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely. Definitely right about that. And, um, you know, and that that's uh, points I raised in a previous episode, um, you know, was how how this definitely definitely stemmed all the way back, all, you know, as far as you can take it during the colonial colonialism, imperialism, tactics and stuff, and then you know slavery, but then you know, and and how a lot of people don't recognize that it's still very much happening today, and it's not just happening to adults, it's not just happening to elders, but it is indeed in fact happening to the younger generations. I mean, the first experience that I experienced, um, you know, I was probably seven, eight years old, you know, I obviously couldn't comprehend, you know, what was exactly happening, um, except for the fact that obviously it made me feel bad, right? It made me, you know, I, I felt sad. I felt, you know, confused, right? But I obviously didn't know what exactly was happening, you know, obviously until I got much older and learned about things. But, you know, that's my whole thing is that, um, yeah, it's happening to adults. Yes, it's happening to elders uh, and everyone in between. But it's also happening to our children. Um, and, again, from people who look like me, who look like CJ, who look like, you know, everyone else in the black and brown community. Um, and that that's what's sad, right? That's what makes me... Uh, you know, push even more so, you know, towards raising awareness about it, to ta start talking about it. Because, again, these are children. They don't understand the concepts of colorism. They don't understand, you know, these ideologies and these really, really negative right. things that are happening and that are present in life. Right? Seven, eight years old. I mean, you're, you're right. They don't know, even though they're skin, right? They don't, I mean, to them... Unless it's pointed out to them, right? This is the thing about children that I always say, right? Because it's, it's obvious. I mean, children, they don't see skin color unless skin color is pointed out to them. They will, Correct. you will see children who are Asian, children who are African American, children who are Hispanic and white, and they will all play with each other for hours on end not notice a single difference about each other it's not until the differences are pointed out and shown to them you know that those things kind of start taking place cognitively so you know so when a, a child undergoes an experience right of colorism racism whatever the only thing they feel right are the emotions are confusion being sad feeling angry but they don't know what it is 
And they shouldn't have to, right? They, that's the whole thing that I'm trying to say. They shouldn't have to. You know, I've heard from a lot of my Latino brothers and sisters, I'm not singling out the islands, but they said that Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, if you go there, you'll see. Have you ever heard of that? No, I couldn't hear you. No, I'm saying a lot of my Latin friends, Latino friends, Dominican, Puerto Rican, they told me when you go to the islands, the darker ones are put outside the island part of the island. The lighter ones are put in like positions of power in the islands. Have you ever heard absolutely of that? that is that is absolutely correct. That is absolutely correct. I never heard it till they told me. I, I you know, like I said, I've never been to the Dominican Republic of Puerto Rico, but a lot of my friends, we in, you know, they bought Rico in New York. They told me, and they and and they were like, you know, I said, what? They said, yeah, you go there. They said, if I looked like that, they'll have me living on the outskirts. You couldn't even come into the town. But I never heard of that. That's why I asked you, have you ever heard of that? Yeah, no, I've heard and I've seen that. You see that, like, um, I remember that was something that I noticed when I was younger, right? Like, I didn't understand how come the darker Indians lived, you know, like San Fernando. You go down to San Fernando, Trinidad, and you see so many of the lighter-skinned Indians living closest in the city. But then more in the countryside is where you're seeing the darker, older Indians. Like, that is a fact. And they're usually more poverty-stricken, and they're usually less educated, less access to resources, including running water and basic utilities. It's to that extent. I mean, our houselessness in my country, it outside of America, looks very, 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 very different. And while we may not acknowledge the presence of racism as much, that colorism, that's there. That's definitely because you see there, there's more of us. It's a different ratio. It's us going against each other, right? Manny, you said that you noticed it too. Wait, do you see that in Connecticut at all? And if so. Yeah, no, I mean, well, obviously right here in New Haven, right? <laughs> that's, you know, that's just pointed out, right? Because, um, you know, I've experienced colorism. Again, I'll name your names, but uh, <laughs> I've experienced colorism right here in this, um, you know, in this city that I've been doing my six, seven years of political and activism work. Right. And uh, yeah, I've had my own experiences of colorism again with people who look like me and you. Uh, yeah, that's always the most disappointing thing. Um, so right here in New Haven, um, absolutely. You, uh, you know, anyone who says it's not in Bridgeport. Yeah. OK, it's definitely in Bridgeport. <laughs> um, you know, Waterbury. Yes. Um, you know, you do have parts of Waterbury. Um, but, you know, and then you. Obviously, you go into the more um, rural town, so to speak, or whatever. And yeah, I mean, honestly, there's, it's to say like there's no part of Connecticut, right? We're not gonna have it on some degree, some level, right? I mean, that's that's just, I mean, it's fairy tale, really, right? Because you're gonna have it no matter what city, no matter what state, right? And obviously, no matter what country. 
it, it's going to be there on some form, some level. It may not be, you know, more prominent than others. But either way, you look deep enough or you look good enough, you're going to see it. It's going to be there, right? So, yeah, it's here in Connecticut. It's here in the major cities. De you know, Harvard, West Harvard, forgot those. Definitely have it over there. Jeez, you know, West Harvard and stuff? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I remember going over there and, and definitely seeing it. Um, so, yeah, it's here in Connecticut. It's here in the different cities. Um, there, there's no mistake about that. But how about this? I find one of, you know, we speak a lot about, you know, the legislation and parliament for that matter. You know, there's colorism there for sure, because sometimes I think some of our legislators, they forget that they woke up black or brown. But aside from that, you know, <laughs> also with our spiritual leadership, which they both got quiet. All right. Three-fifths, come mm. on, tell us. I know you're over there smirking. <laughs> I know you're over there smiling because, you know, well, wait, three-fifths, did you pray today? I'm just kidding. Um, you know, is there such a thing as colorism in spirituality? Well, I, 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 think, I think there is. Uh, uh, but I think it's, a, it's more of a different form. I think that's like, I think it's like one, one, how can I put it? One rule. But I think what Manny was saying overall, is, is, I think it's a bigger picture. I don't think it's too much in, in a religious institution and stuff. I, I, I think you, you have it, but not as heavy as outside. That's my, my take on it. But I could be wrong. I mean, no, everybody has their opinion on it. What about you, Manny? Is there some complexion issues there in spirit um for the hispanic community yes yes um again and um and, and it's not it's not directly linked to like religious belief so to speak but rather okay so i'll be more specific right with the you know again how hispanics see each other you know on the whole complexion scale um <laughs> i would i've noticed that you would and and hispanic churches hmm, get me in trouble hispanic churches um i would say eight times out of ten uh you would see that the congregation right that the the um worship leaders uh would often choose the lighter skinned person to lead the services rather than the darker skinned uh hispanic um i've also seen that in uh, hispanic churches where they do uh spanish and english translation Right, you have the Spanish pastor, and then uh, the the also Hispanic, um, I guess like co-pastor or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but he, you know, he's in uh, translating to English. Um, you know, 
<laughs> it'll either be uh, a lighter skinned or a really darker skinned. There's kind of no medium. <laughs> um, I don't know if that's to appeal, you know, like a method to appeal to the English speakers who might be visiting or attending or something, right? Um, maybe that could be it. Again, I'm, I mean, I'm not in the to worship team, so, you know, I can only say but so much. I can only say what I, I see and what I experience. Um, but yes, yes, uh, and, and the Hispanic community, right, they don't leave that colorism uh, outside of the church. That That is not something they do. Um, they won't tie it directly to religion, but they definitely, you know, they won't leave colorism out the door of the church. They will well, that definitely makes bring sense. it in. I mean, when you think about it, they were also told that Jesus, or as they may say, Jesus was white, Blanco, you know. Um, you also see, in my opinion, in the um, Black or those who identify as Black churches, you find, like, as you're pointing out, like the whole hierarchy of the church, you know, the first lady has to be very light-skinned. Okay, those who are in high rank in the church have to be lighter, put together. You know, it's just it's just that's what it is. I mean, not to harp on it, but this is, you know, this is something that in the now is becoming more normalized, I feel. Then media played at the leading roles, right? The family always a plus size, dark skin, whoever that's not kept. Black or brown person is all together, you're not working the field, and sweaty and all over the place, right? Now, something that a friend of mine pointed out to me the other day is. You know, how did Beyonce, Beyonce, she had these nice dark brown eyes, her face look, you know, I mean, granted, she's had children and things, but she has denied having done anything to herself. I mean, you look at people like Lil' Kim, you know, my God, what a beautiful black woman. And why did you do this to yourself? You know, so many. Michael Jackson, my God. You know, and I say, well, I did yeah, well, why did they do that? Are they? Can you hear me? Hello? Yes, I can hear. I was going to say too. I was going to say too. See, colorism is actually. You ever hear the brown paper bag test? I have the. The brown paper bag test was used as colorism. The sororities used to do it, and what it was that there were certain places that if you want to get in the parties and stuff, if you pass the brown paper bag test, then you could get in. And what happened was the dark-skinned blacks and light-skinned, they, they would have fights. And sometimes they would call themselves, the light skin would say, you tar baby, you jigaboo. They would say, you high yellow red bone and white girl wannabe. And they used to battle. That's why I said, see, for me, it ain't just the church. 
and and it still goes on. It, it's still I will say that black people it still go on. Also, I used to read books, and I've had relatives darker than me would tell relatives, "You get married, don't bring that dark skin boy in. Get your red bone." That's, That's a big one. That's a big one that you just hit on. That's why I was highlighting the role of the media, like from your house to what you see on TV. They put it in front of your face. If it's not light, it's not right, right? You know, some you've face, seen all these face, celebrities. Like, why are they having face, to do that, Ed? Why are they having to do all this bleaching like in Jamaica? That's a big deal in Jamaica to bleach your skin, you know? Yes, people damaging the good skin just so they could light just so they could go light what do you think about again it goes within the races that because they feel they feel for example they used to say well some light-skinned women and men had an advantage in life because their skin allowed them to access more educational social financial opportunities than their dark counterpart that's true it's true i had an uncle that was light-skinned he was in the navy and he used to go to the white only movies but when he bought his dark-skinned friends they called him a nigger lover, excuse the expression I can say on there, and chased him out of the movie. Lena Horne, the actor, I just found out, I thought she was down south. She's Kate Verde, she's African. And one of the persons talked about how in Africa, that's how the bleaching came in. They look at the, 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 the models, like you said, the images. That's what they do. It's a crazy, crazy, crazy thing. It's, 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 Itself, the, the, the bottom line for me is, is, is internal hate. It's self-hate. I was about to say, because you have to hate yourself look, look, to do that to look, yourself. Look at, look, at, look, at, look, at, look at India. They have a caste system. Yes. It's about colorism. Yes. That more, than, more than us over here. Yes. They got that caste system. Yes, theirs is bad. God, theirs God is, is really... To call blacks kefirs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Let's just add to that part, right? Because there's different parts to this now. So there's a colorism which exists amongst us and it plays out in different ways. We see it play out in medicine. We spoke about that. We spoke about it in the media a little bit. I mean, we could go on and on for days. But how about in education? Do we see the colorism play out in education? I say yes. Because you see it all the time. You just hit on that nail, Trefus, about the lighter skin college students and the preference, the preferential treatments they got. I mean, look at these fraternities practices. In fact, they wrote a book about it. My aunt tried to get in a sorority. I don't say which one it is, and she couldn't get in, so she said, "F you, you ghosts." She called them ghosts. Wow, imagine her being related to you. I'm so I'm in shock over here. I, I can't imagine. Manny probably fell over. He's probably in shock too. Yeah, she told him later for you ghosts. You're ghosts. But what about all right? So we talk about education. What about the colorism and housing? Starting with you, Ed. How do you feel about that? Is does that say I would say yes I, I I would say in all aspects of life it happens it still happens but we gotta remember one thing the slave master put this into play you see they use it to divide it, like case this point what happened in Rwanda the Belgians made up the Tutsi and Hutsi but he divided them 
by race classification and color classification. Remember, South Africa used race classification and color. They would call the people from India Indians, and they would call you know the black the blacks colored. I mean, I'm sorry, the Indians colored. So it came from slavery. There's no doubt about it. It's in all aspects. Wall Street. If you see, for example, if you go back to the 50s and you see the prominent blacks, a lot of them they were light skinned. That's how they got in. That's how they got in through these jobs and certain things. No, it's true. It's true. But I feel like it is all over. It is intersectional. But I feel like with housing, when you look at, all right, let's use Section 8. Section 8 went from being state-funded housing assistance to only a certain type of people live there, right? And to me, there's a lot of colorism attached to that, as are different forms of anything, oh, like it, it is side. like you said, it's everywhere. Right. You could move the up east side. Look at Trump's father. Right. Against blacks. Right. He wanted light skinned blacks in his development. That came out later on. So you're right. It's, it's in all aspects. You can't cut it out. There, like you could drive through. I'm you, I, I have relatives that told their children. Don't you can tell where black right. people live at. You gotta get a light one. Huh? Yeah, don't marry that, don't marry that dark skin man. You right. Light one. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. I had happened to me before. Yes. Mm. Yes. Yes. It still happens. I still see that happening. And communities when people see like you know um hello ed did, did we lose you did he go? okay no what i was gonna say is is that for example with the mother-in-laws and the father-in-laws and everything in the family some parents like you're saying they'll tell you straight up don't you dare date somebody darker than you. And they will give that person hell. They would give them hell, really and truly, because they want to be light skin. So, I mean, I, I Manny, nice as the youngest here. I know some light skin sisters that went to yes. college. They want to marry dark men anyway because they didn't want that stigma for their children. Oh, yeah. Right. There's That's, oh, married. God. You, you trying to start a riot outside, Ed. They know. Right. Facts. Facts. That's true. That is true. There are some people who can meet, depending on what they look like for that particular purpose. I actually met someone who admitted that to me. Someone who struggled with obesity. She was dark skinned, and she was really committed to finding someone lighter than her. Because she did not want her to deal with fat people. That happened in Connecticut, by the way. Well, look at, Second. Look at As a younger Stacey one in Dash. here. You remember, remember Stacy Dash? Look at right. She said, I don't want my kids dark. Right. And that's Damon Dash's cousin. Well, right. I want to hear from Manny now. I want him to jump in now. Yeah. What do you think about this, Manny? And not only that, two questions for you. 
your thoughts are what we just said and is it fixable oh oh to probably the biggest <laughs> questions um well I, I definitely i agree and i reinforce and i echo a lot of what was said between the both of you um and you know i i want to give you know one uh <laughs> you know, i want to give one uh you know experience i had again being told to me um from older family members um you know everyone knows you know that you know you being young and everything and you go to the family functions and one of the number one questions you ask is, oh, you know, do you have a special someone, right? Is there, <laughs> is there anyone special in your life? All the, you know, all the family always want to know, you know, if you're dating someone. Um, and, but there's a follow-up with that question. And that follow-up is, uh, for me, a lot of times, it was make, it was only two things. It was one, make sure it's a Hispanic. And two, if it is a Hispanic, make sure she isn't darker than you. I've heard that. I've heard and that. almost every time, not almost, every single time that has been told to me, again, by my, by my own family, people I share blood with, you know, my own family. I am appalled every single time that I hear it. And I'm not talking about this was, you know, years ago. And I'm talking about, I mean, yeah, it, you know, even years ago. But, I mean, I was just at a family function last week and it happened, you know? <laughs> like, it, it's, it's something that happens so many times um, in the Hispanic community. It's one... They always put an emphasis on dating another Hispanic. Uh, so that kind of um, exclusivity, right? Or that, you know, keeping it in the race type of thing, uh, as they try to say. And then making sure and emphasizing that, you know, so they acknowledge that, yeah, okay, there's Hispanic, you know, you'll be with a Hispanic, but also acknowledging that, you know, or not acknowledging, but playing right into that concept of colorism, right? It's like, okay, you could be with a Hispanic, but make sure it's not a darker Hispanic, right? So the most appalling thing that I hear. Um, and so, yeah, and it, it, it disturbs me again, you know, because not only as an individual, but it deserves it even more so because of the work I do, right? And and again, I can't tell you how many times my own family, right, <laughs> have criticized me and have just blatantly like uh, said the most outrageous negative remarks about the work I do simply because I'm you know, taking pictures, I'm showing up on news interviews or on public with, you know, standing side by side with people who are darker than me. And again, like I'm appalled every single time 
you know, and people ask me, you know, well, why don't we see your family so much? Why don't you have a family? Because of things like that, right? Like my family, uh, and it's not my whole family, right? But but main components of, of your family, right? The elders, right? The elders, they are, are constantly emphasizing, um, you know, their dislike, right? And their discontent with me, you know, being pictured or showing up in public or just associating, right? And in such a positive manner with people who are darker than me. And, you know, it, it's the most sickening thing to me. Uh, but honestly, it shows me, right? It, it, and it shows me and it motivates me because it's like, here I am fighting it on the front lines for society, for public, for my neighbors, for my community, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, but I'm also dealing with those same things in my own family, right? Uh, you, know, you know, when I'm going to family function, when I'm visiting, when I'm, you know, supposed to be in a safe and secure place with family members, the same issues I'm fighting against in public, when I put on the suit, you know, I'm on the microphone, right? When I'm doing a news interview is the same issue that I'm encountering and still standing my ground against, you know, against my own family members. So, you know, it's a very, very deep-rooted thing, uh, nothing issue. Uh, it's a very deep-rooted issue. Um, and so the second question, is it fixable? The, the person that I am, right? Hello? Uh, and the person that I am, and what I mean by that is the hopeful person that I am. Uh, that and, and staying hopeful is my main driving force for continuing to fight for all the things that I fight for. Yes. Right. And so the hopeful person in me says, yes, it is fixable. Um, because I believe every problem can at one point in time, whether that's in the near future or the very distant future, can be fixed. So the hopeful person in me says, yes, it is fixable. Um, I'm glad, I'm glad that you me, have that hope, Manny. I was about <laughs> to say, the realistic part of you is probably right. like, uh, the but Manny. The realistic part of me says, is it fixable in my lifetime? Absolutely not. Uh, I, I won't sad. live. That is it. so sad to me. <laughs> Every time you say that, I get sad because I'll tell you what, I have the opposite situation in my household. So I am, of my siblings, the only one to have black children, right? Um, and actually, with both of them, I said, we're not dating we're not going over to the other side here. Like, I need to see some textured hair. I need you to date within your scope. Not saying that light-skinned people wouldn't like you or whatever, but don't don't look down on the black and brown people like yourself. I'm not doing that here. If anything, when they did bring around white partners, I, I gave them a really hard time because you're not going to come in this house and try to whitewash it. That's not happening over here at all. Not on my watch. I feel like 
you know, and I'm a, you know, I, I would love both of your opinions on this. With the whole housing movement that's happening right here in Connecticut, I've gotten a lot of feedback from community members who are affected by slum lords and bad landlords and just high rents and all of that. In saying that, how do you all feel about colorism within? Don't all rush. Um, right. Woke up a little bit. Let me, let me... Hello? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. How do you feel about that? Uh, you're kind of breaking up. I couldn't, I didn't hear. You Manny, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Manny, can you hear me? Yeah, you're kind of breaking yeah, up. Yeah, I can hear you clear now. Okay. I was asking, sorry, guys. I was asking. How do you feel about colorism movement exist? Well, but see, color colorism in the movement, it's 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 there. I mean, I I I feel like it shouldn't be there, but there's other components of movement that shouldn't be there neither. I mean, you have, for example. I know some people say, well, I can't work with gay people. That's the problem, too. You know? I tell me all the time, one of, one of the baddest artists, black nationals was James Baldwin. So, you know, the, the, move, the movement had, the movement, I would say this, it has its problems. It has its problems. And honestly, I would say that's the hard one to answer, but I think it's, a, it's, it, 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 it's there, it is there in the movement, but there's other problems in the movement also, too. But let me say this if I can also. I just want to run back to what you were talking about, Manny was talking about. I think he's telling the truth. And I have, like I said, I have a lot of Latino friends. And Manny, he may be young, but he might have heard of this one. I've heard some parents have told their daughters to iron their hair because it was too kinky to look black. And I've also heard on my side brothers that want to date Latino women that look more Irish than Italian so they can say they can have a white woman. Have you ever heard that in, in, in the Latino community, Manny? If I may ask you. A million percent. A million percent. Again, in my own family, uh, there's, you know, there's females. I was, trying to, to hair. I was trying to figure out why they iron their hair. Yeah, yeah. Hair. Absolutely yeah. right. There, I mean, there's family members, who, you know, females who, you know, they get out the shower and you, and I've seen, you know, their hair actually is curly. It's, it's a very curly, it's a very thick oh, okay. hair. But before they leave that house, they will spend an hour and a half, almost two hours, doing everything possible to make their hair like as straight as a line. <laughs> but, and they will not they will not leave the house under any any circumstance with their hair curly. You know you iron your clothes, they use one of those. I was like, Yeah, yeah, no, that's I've seen that. I've absolutely seen that. Yes. I've seen on my side they want to date the, they want to date the lighter 
Puerto Rican women because they think they can have a white woman. Like that. If you'll jump off. I can't really hear you. Now I can hear you now. I can hear you now. Everybody go. Did I lose them? No. You got to let me know because I can't guarantee with Comcast. Right, 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 right. Okay. So what I was saying is that in the movement, I know you said before that, you know, yes, there's colorism, but not to stress on that. Right. But I feel like there's also a lot of whitewashing that happens in the movement, which Okay. Can you hear me? I can hear you now, yeah. Can you hear me? Because I, I really don't I know what else to do. I was asking just now. Yes, and... you can. can you hear me now, Ed? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, just do the best you can. 
I'll try to, you know, it comes in and out. No, no, no. I just want to make sure because I, I don't. We had a lot of dead space just now, and nobody was talking. Don't stop because of me. Um, can you hear me, Manny? I just want to do a quick sound check. Yeah, I hear you. Shout out to the Comcast, not. Because you both are coming blurry on my side too, so I don't know if it's just like an entire network something or what, but I just changed my connection, so hopefully this is a tad better. Um, what I was gonna say is, is that there's to me there's whitewashing in the movement that stems from colorism. Did you catch that part? Yeah. yeah. Yes. yes. Right, and I was asking you both what. I I think it's not just only colorism, but. It's to stop the movement and stuff. That's the main goal. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I just don't want them. Stop it. What are you thinking, Manny? On it? Yeah. Um. Jeez, colorism in the movement. Um. Uh, <laughs> so this, this, I have a particularly uh unique experience with uh and, and here's what i mean by that because i've been what i would say is on both sides of uh colorism being used in the movement um i have because i'm i'm lighter complexion right i literally it was i can't make this up <laughs> Not no, anything, you cannot tell the story. <laughs> tell the st But <laughs> I literally, I, I mean, I can't even count how many times now over the years, but I've literally been told, we're going to have you speak or we're going to have you deliver a presentation. Or we're going to have you be the one, um, you know, basically be the face because you're lighter. Um, I have been told, well, people would trust you more. People will listen to you better because of the way you look. Um, I, I've definitely experienced that and vice versa. I've also experienced, uh, being in situations where, they actually, you know, they put someone who's a darker complexion, right? And they say, uh, well, we're going to have him speak or, you know, we're going to have him to the presentation or whatever because in this scenario, in this circumstance, actually he would be the one who would be trusted more rather than you who's lighter. So... I've absolutely experienced both sides, right? Where my complexion was used as an advantage and also in other circumstances where my complexion was actually uh, a pointed out as a disadvantage and someone who was darker in complexion, you know, was put in my, you know, place instead because of the way they look. Right. Um, so, yeah, colorism in the movement. Oh, it is such a real thing. It is so prevalent. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold up. I hope you could hear me. 
Shout out to Comcast for the crappy internet. Can't forget you all. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I see your discrimination there and I raise you. I'll raise you. So I've had it where I've been put last because I was, I remember going to a rally downtown and I was actually in the audience. I, I thought I was invited to speak. And when I saw the audience, I was like, am I at the right place? Because everybody was 10 shades lighter than me. And I didn't mind going towards the end because I, at, at first I really wasn't particularly excited to be there, but I'd already committed to doing it and it was supposed to be a good thing. And it was an experience. It wasn't the only time because it happens. So that has happened to me a couple of times. So I'll get invited to these white dominated things and they want us to speak, but we, you know, they decide when is right. I've also had it where I've been, like Manny was saying, I've been selected as the best representation of, right? And it's a very demeaning thing. I don't care what nobody says. And I, I will say it again. You can't talk about the obstructions in the movement without talking about that because it happens. And it's very dissuading and it's very discouraging. Um, and it could be very demotivating, but most of all, it harms the movement because right now we have a problem where we don't have enough black and brown participating in critical calls to actions and other grassroots events and organizing. Because why? They're hearing about things that matter to them, that they could relate to, but they don't see us representing it at all. How do you all feel about That's sad. That's sad. That, that's that's sad. But what that would make me do is organize our own. We would have to organize. I would leave. Remember, people left. People left organizations behind us too. Not just colorism, but they they if if if, it's, if the organizational structure is not moving, then why stick around? Why soldier in that organization? Did not Malcolm form the, the African American Unity when he left the nation, the OAU? I would leave. Oh, no, I did that part. I did that part. But it still happens, though, because it doesn't, and it did not just happen to me. I mean, again, this colorism thing, we could talk about racism till we're blue in the face. But there's a lot of isms that happen within the movement as well, especially in the Northeast. But like you said, that's why they got to be smart like you. You leave. You, you, you know, you, you, you have, sometimes you have to leave. You can't fight it by yourself. You have to look at you have to do an analysis. Is it worth me fighting this in here? And plus, you can leave. And like you said, we can form our own and the same problem come up again. Because remember, colorism is not just restricted to white people. And for me, colorism is more like you said in the beginning of your show. It's us. We're that weapon. We're, we're, we're that weapon. We're the weapon they use against us. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. What they, do, they, put our own, they, they put our own up first. They prop them up. And those idiots are too stupid to use that they're being used until they catch on and find they're no longer used. Use it. Use needed. All right. And they realize that they have no more purpose, right? They're at their wit's end. In fact, I see that happening right now in New Haven. The so-called blacks. Not off the subject, but you heard Rosa Law just endorsed Ellicott. As far as I'm concerned, that's the name. Oh, wow. I'm so surprised. I'm in shock. Sarcasm, sarcasm. I'm in shock. <laughs> I know you were going to be, but we can talk about that some other time. 
Oh God, I might I might need somebody to take my blood pressure. That just you know, Ed, you just roll through with these announcements. Now, why would that white woman not support the white man? There you go with your foolishness again. You know, Ed, you need to go sit somewhere. You really need to go sit somewhere. Yeah. All right, guys. So we're at time. Before we close out, Manny, what's your final thoughts on this? Because we're gonna have to come back to this at some point, if not always, because it's always gonna come up. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. Um, I'll reiterate what I said, right? Is um, the colorism is a real problem. Uh, It affects the black and brown community um, just as much as racism does. Um, And, you know, again, what hurts me um, personally is just knowing that we're doing it to each other, right? We unify against racism you know when white people are doing it against us but when we start talking about how colorism comes into play and that we're doing it to each other and then we pretend like it doesn't exist um and that's a problem um again i have the hope that one day it'll be fixed i have the hope that one day black and brown community will see it as a thing of the past the thing that used to happen in our community. Um, and, but the realistic part of me knows that I won't get to live to see that day. Um, so I will keep on hoping, I will keep on fighting uh, and hope that all my efforts in this lifetime will bring about that, that vision and that dream um, for the future generations to come. Go ahead. I'm oh, yeah. No, I said just piggybacking. Manny uh, hit the key when he said, I, I won't say that he won't see it because he's still young, but he said those two children, he will use an example with no colorism. That's the hope. That they grow and 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 they'll 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 they'll, they'll, they'll grow, and they'll see what it is, what they what it is. I remember looking at the movie Rosewood, and when they, the, the little young white kid, he said, "Daddy was wrong." He popped it in his mouth. One of the survivors said that that kid turned out to be a lawyer. One of the survivors of the Rosewood, and that's what's going to be. The younger the younger ones, I've always told them, be the younger generation. The younger generation has to lift that up. They have to. I know a lot of stuff I'm not going to see in my lifetime. I probably won't see reparations in my lifetime. But it's going to come here. But it starts with the younger ones, as Manny said, with those two, those two children there. It starts in the home. And it starts with us by learning. You can't really fix it this day of the game, but you can slow it down. Or sometimes, some people can change their mind with different things. I'm a, I'm a learned type of person. And like I said, uh, Brother Manny, you, you hit me to actually the hair stuff, because I, I didn't believe that. I said that he said, yeah, my sister used an eye, what you said. So I mean the, the, the things that, that's done. So I'm I'm like you. I, I think it could be fixed with the younger the younger generation, the younger people. That's amazing. Well, thank you both for coming on today. Yes. Sorry for the little tech issues. We'll uh the evil eye later. But 
and they're going to see it. We are good again very soon on another topic at another time. Colorism, it's right in the main isms, you know, and we have to talk it up like, like you know, said we got to lift up. We are passing the baton to them. So it's really important that we not only teach, but acknowledge, right? I said some there. Don't just teach them, but acknowledge what we have and will do. Don't just stop there, right? Um, so, yes, I'd like to thank you, Chris and Manny, for being here. Uh, again, for everyone who tuned in, thank you for your continued support, encouragement, and empowerment. Please continue to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. And check us out on Linktree as well.